Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm with the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is Narbe Alexandrian. He is the president and CEO of Canopy Rivers. Canopy Rivers is a cannabis venture capital investment and operating platform with a strategic partnership with Canopy Growth Corporation. Thanks for being on the show with me today, Narbe. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's kick off by getting to know you a little bit better. Let's learn about your background and what kinds of experiences you had before getting involved in this really exciting cannabis industry. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, by, by trade, I am an accountant, uh, but I haven't really practiced accounting, nor did I ever practice accounting, really. Uh, <laughs> I, I did a stint in management consulting, uh, moved into M&A as well, and then spent about 10 years in technology working as a venture capitalist. Worked with a large uh, telecom company here in, in Canada called TELUS. Um, moved to work for one of the largest government incubators in Canada called uh, Mars Innovation, and I moved to work at the largest venture capital fund in Canada called Omer's Ventures prior to making my jump over to the cannabis side. So I've worked a lot and, and mentored a lot of technology companies, uh, large and small, some of the the, the successes that, that we've invested in as, as a fund in my previous uh, job was uh, um, Shopify and, and Hootsuite and Wave Financial uh, and, and uh, Rover, which is the, the dog-sitting um, marketplace oh, uh, and yeah. a number of others. Yeah, so so really understand how to commercialize uh, startups and, and, and grow startups. And uh, at the end of the day, cannabis was, was just another high-growth industry similar to tech, uh, but, but ripe for uh, opportunity. Absolutely. That's so interesting. And I love all of these um, gig economy style service apps uh, that are coming out for getting your dog walked, for getting a ride for your kid to go to school, like everything you can ask for, all the needs that people have that need to be met. Somebody is developing an app for that to pay someone to do it for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Everything is going to, to the gig economy. It's, it's a big, it's a big movement that we've been seeing over the last few years and uh, everything from renting certain power tools to renting a, a, a air mattress on your floor. It's just, it's remarkable to see how these ideas where, where if someone was to pitch that to me, I don't know, call it 10 years ago, I would have thought it was the dumbest thing in the world are now so <laughs> predominant with, with, with what we do. I know I rely on, you know, Uber and Lyft and, and the ride sharing ones quite a bit. So um, I'm happy that they're there for sure. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe someone can roll our joints for us someday. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, we have that already. That's pre-rolls, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not good at it. So yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, so speaking of cannabis, um, obviously you've done a lot of really cool tech projects and, and investments. So cannabis is is interesting and it's new and it's sexy. What is the reason that you got involved? Was it Was it just cannabis is the next big thing or, or is there like a place in your heart for the the plant oh yeah i mean there, there's definitely a place in my heart for the plant i, I just seen so many anecdotally as well as uh, personally have seen so much uh of a movement with cannabis call it back in my college days all the way to to today uh and um never really understood why alcohol was legal but cannabis wasn't just because there's so much harm one can cause to, to oneself through alcohol but Cannabis doesn't seem like uh, um, it has uh, remotely a fraction of the, the downsides of what alcohol brings to the table. So never really understood that. And then as I saw the uh, Canada looking to legalize cannabis and moving towards it, uh, I had a friend of mine who was uh, actually advising Canopy Growth in terms of some of their uh, M&A activity that was taking place and started picking his brain to see uh, where, where the industry was at. And it really reminded me of what what uh, the technology industry looked like back in the early 2000s, where mm-hmm. uh, you had a lot of small cap stocks, uh, companies that went public too soon, uh, were trying to do everything at the same time, didn't really understand what their place was within the, the larger internet industry, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and and some of them flamed out. And uh, just likewise, the, the investors in these companies were either small angel funds or high net worth individuals putting money down, or larger hedge fund type players where you would get a whole whack of cash, but be pushed to go into the public markets way too soon. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So getting involved in cannabis, um, it was just a natural move for you at this point because you're seeing so many parallels. Um, so you, you, you wanted to contribute your skill set to to this industry as it as it grows and hopefully uh, help uh, investors and entrepreneurs uh, prevent those same mistakes maybe absolutely absolutely and again like to, to draw the parallel to the technology um, back in the early internet days if you were to create a, a website call it a website where you sold uh, cannabis paraphernalia You'd have to, you couldn't just do it off of uh, another site or another company. You'd have to build your own server farm. You'd have to build your own website, your own payment platform, your, your, your own uh, gateway for customers to actually enter their information, have it secure. All that you had to build from scratch, similar to what the cannabis industry looks like right now, where you have vertical integration really taking place. You have companies that are doing everything from cultivating to extracting to building a recreational band to, to trying to go through clinical trials to create pharmaceutical products to then selling it through a dispensary. And they own all of it, which is, which is really uh, um, primitive in my, my perspective, because every company focus on that, those one to three things that they do very, very well mm-hmm. and start working to outsource the rest of them. So seeing how the internet industry played out. And now if you want to start your own head shop online, you have Shopify, you can work off of Amazon web services, PayPal, uh, and, and you can use all of these turnkey functions and just work on just building your customer list uh, and, and actually selling product instead of looking at how to develop code. And I think cannabis mm-hmm. is going down that same path. Uh, and it, it's, it's literally the same story for a different growth industry. Uh, and, and super excited of, to, to, to have the opportunity to, to see it um, firsthand. 
For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see what you mean with, with all the vertical integ integration requirements. Um, I, I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there that were like, look, I just wanted to grow some cannabis plants. And now I have to, as you said, learn how to code something or um, be involved in other aspects of a company that, you know, you didn't want to have to deal with, but because of the requirements of licensing, um, you by default get stuck in that pattern and have to have to sink or swim. Uh, awesome. So presently you are president and CEO of Canopy Rivers. Uh, so tell me more about Canopy Rivers and what's going on at the company and, and what your your day-to-day -day is like. Yeah. So to take you back to, to how this whole thing started, uh, in April 2017, Canopy Rivers got kicked off. At the time, Canopy Growth looked a lot different than it does now. The market cap of the company was $1.5 billion. They had about just over $100 million of cash on hand. And, and Bruce and company were looking to make acquisitions within the space, uh, primarily in Canada, as they were launching towards uh, federal legalization. Canada, expected to be 12 months from then, ended up being 18 months because government, as you know, moves pretty slow. Mm -hmm. So... Um, so they, they, they were, they're driving around Canada talking to operators of hemp farms and cannabis uh, uh, cultivation facilities and, and, and trying to see where they could do the deals. And some operators were open to being acquired and, and giving away full operational control to another company, but others uh, just wanted to ride the wave of legalization. Uh, as you can imagine, this industry, that there, there's a ton of individuals that, that want to start their own business uh, with an, within a legalized framework, uh, as well as uh, just test out their hypothesis and, and build a business model that nobody else has seen before. So uh, kudos to, to the Canopy Growth team early on because they, they saw the opportunity. They said, you know what? what? We have this opportunity here. If this is indeed going to be a half a trillion dollar industry by 2020 something, uh, there's going to be multiple winners out there, multiple business models and, and, and leaders. Uh, and no government's going to, going to look at legalization and say, you know what, we're going to give it to one company and monopolize the entire thing with just one firm. Uh, instead, they're going to spread it apart. So here's an opportunity where not only do we can we buy companies, but likewise, we can look at investing in strong disruptors within the space. And uh, the, the analogy that Bruce always gave was owning the gas station on both sides of the street. So that kind of... <laughs> have the entire traffic coming to you. And that, that, that's where Canopy Rivers is born. We're so completely separate and independent from Canopy Growth, uh, but Canopy Growth is our largest investor and we, we do have a very strong relationship with them. Uh, and then through that process, uh, we, we look at uh, deals all the time. Uh, if it's something that requires a minority investment, then uh, it would come to us. And if it's something that is a complete buyout, then we would, we would hand over to, to Canopy Growth. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for breaking that down what the differences were. Um, are you based in Canada as well? Yes, I'm based in Toronto, which I like to call the capital of cannabis capital. <laughs> so uh, there's just a lot of money flowing around uh, in, in Toronto with, with cannabis. And uh, so, so it's, a, it's a ripe place to, to be. Interesting. Um, our, I want to get into more about what's going on globally when we come back from the from the commercial break. Um, it's really interesting to see the movements um, in our neighboring countries here from the United States. Um, I, I'm, do you also do? But you do business in the United States and Canada. That's true. Yes, and, and worldwide, actually. So we have an investment in New Zealand, investment in Europe, uh, many investments in, in the U.S. and many investments in Canada. And we have our eyes on all sorts of different areas, uh, India, China, 
Uh, I had a call about Cambodia this morning and Laos uh, yesterday. Uh, and then we look at Latin America as well uh, as a, a gateway to, to low-cost cultivation. Wow, that is so exciting. <laughs> cool. Thanks for sharing that. All right, we're going to take uh, our first commercial break here, and then we'll be right back to chat more with Narve from Canopy River. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's gonna make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The concierge for better living with Doc Rob. Only on cannabisradio.com. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Let me welcome Nick Hexum from 311. We never heard things like your music when it first came out. It's like to mix the reggae with the punk and all of that together was just such an unusual sound and and we loved it. We realized we're not going to copy what's on the radio. At the time, it was all grunge that was on the radio. And I said, let's just stick to what we know and wait for a culture to come around to us. Hey, it's Nick Hexum from 311, and you're listening to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina on CannabisRadio.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCI's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany, chatting with Narbe from Canopy Rivers. Um, So as an investment firm, what are you looking for in a cannabis company when you're considering working with them? What, What would an ideal investment situation look like? What's a healthy investment? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to generalize because uh, cannabis, the, in cannabis, there are so many different pieces of the value chain. Uh, you look at a farming company, very different from an extracting company and very different from a brand or technology play. But, but overall, there's about three criteria we're really focusing on. Uh, one of them is product market fit. So you, you want to see how 
uh, the company really fits into the, the entire market. So what, what is their competitive edge? Uh, is it low cost production through automation or is it uh, technology or is it IP or, or do they have a uh, rock star uh, CEO or, or a scientist on hand? What, what is it that differentiates them from everyone else? And what kind of barriers does a company create that stops anybody else from doing the exact same thing? So if you think of biosynthetics, which is the, the, the creation of cannabinoids in a lab, um, I don't think any of us on the phone right now could even remotely know how to start doing that. But if you had a, P, a few PhDs on, on hand, you're creating a bit of a barrier for uh, just about anybody to jump into that piece of the industry. So that, that's kind of number one. Number two is uh, market dynamics. So we want to look at uh, areas or, or pieces of, of the cannabis uh, sector that, that are billion-dollar opportunities. So the, the, the example here is PAX. PAX is... Uh, a, a company that, that does one thing and one thing very, very well, which is build vaporization hardware. And uh, they, they've built a billion dollar plus business off of just creating a, a great vaporizer that, that because um, um, consumers really understand well, they don't fill the pods, they don't sell the pods. Uh, and and, and uh, that, that's kind of what we're looking for are niches within the industry where you can actually build a billion dollar business off of. Uh, and then the third criteria that we really look at is the most important one, which are the operators or the, the founders and, and, and the managers of the business. We always say internally that there's no such thing as an eBay for ideas. If I had an idea at hand, I couldn't sell it to you for $10,000 or $20,000. It's all about execution at the end of the day. So who are the, the, the owners of the business? Uh, who are the, the, the people that run the business? Are they uh, properly incentivized to, to grow a, a burgeoning billion-dollar business out of this? And, uh, and, and what are their skill sets, and how does that differ from everyone else? Uh, here, you're, you're trying to look for areas of persistence and grit, but also the ability to, to work with someone. Uh, one of the, the, the stats I always like to use is that the, the average uh, time frame of a relationship between a venture capitalist and an investor, an investment company is about 9.6 years, which is the amount of time between you find a co- found a company and you exit a company. The average marriage in, uh, in, in North America is about 10.1 years. So uh, in, in essence, when you're taking money from someone or giving money to someone, uh, that you're, you're, you're in essence getting married to that, to that individual or that entity for uh, call it a decade. So you really want to understand if this is a type of person that you can work with day in and day out uh, and not necessarily just look at the, the return function all by itself. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, you're raising a kid for 10 years also, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Great. Um, so, so our industry is super fast moving and changing and super dynamic. And every year it's, it's pretty exciting to see new states coming online with either medical or adult use cannabis laws, thus creating business opportunities in those states, which is great. We love business creation and job creation. So, but what what are your thoughts on where the cannabis industry and market is going to go in just these next two to five years as we see more states legalize cannabis, not to mention this boom of the hemp and CBD products? Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, Bethany, we, we've at Canopy Rivers, we've looked at 1,523 deals in the last 365 days ended June 30th. Ooh. So through that process of just talking to that many entrepreneurs and pitches, we, we've developed a bit of a framework of where we see 
cannabis, uh, the whole industry really heading into, and we call it the wave theory internally. And then there's five distinct waves that many geographies go through. It's, it's simplified, uh, but but likewise, it's, it's very descriptive and illustrative. I think the only country that doesn't follow it is Israel because they, they kind of start with the whole medical piece first. But mm-hmm. uh, primarily it starts with cultivation. And, and cultivation is, is where uh, geographies really start at first, where licenses are scarce there's a first mover advantage of if you have the first of the two three licenses that exist you can get up and running before anybody else does you can create that scale before everyone anybody else does and, and you can own that piece of the market domestically uh, over time as, as more and more licenses are created somewhat what you see in canada every the next license becomes less and less more less and less valuable mm. uh so that that's kind of, that's wave one wave two is the ancillary industry these are the the picks and shovels that really bring cultivation into um into the consumer's hands so call it extraction call it emulsification uh led lighting fertilizers technology mm-hmm. uh quality management systems and, and seed to sale erp systems uh, the, these um, products and services really light up the whole industry, and they're about three times as large as core cultivation. So it's it's a very big piece of the industry. A lot of these companies are private as well. About ninety eight percent of of them in our in, in our view are, are private companies. So there's a lot to to, to to chew off of from a venture capital perspective. Wave three is uh, consumer packaged goods (CPG). Uh, we think we think brands are going to dominate the industry uh, at this point in time. Um, many cannabis consumers can't tell the difference between brands. It's not the same as if I was to give you a a pint of Guinness and a pint of Corona, and you know the difference between the two. Or mm-hmm. if you're a smoker, you know the difference between a a, a Lucky Strike and a and a Marlboro. Uh, that does, doesn't exist in the cannabis world yet because it's such a nascent industry. But over time. Brands are going to continue to be developed uh, and continue to have that stable, dependable experience where we like to call it the Big Mac effect, where no matter where you go in the world and have a Big Mac, it tastes the exact same. Uh, Way four is pharma. Uh, We believe the medical side uh, of cannabis to be the largest. Uh, Just not enough medical research has been done. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's about 800 clinical trials being done in cannabis uh, right now across the world, which is about four times larger than than average for for any certain segment. So there's a lot of eyes on, on what's going to happen there. And uh, uh, one of the, the, the best kept secrets is that the seven out of the top 10 patent holders within the cannabis space are the, the multinational pharmaceutical companies. So although they're not investing in LPs or MSOs or anything like that, they, they are taking a, a big swing at the cannabis sector, knowing that uh, this could can, cannibalize a lot of the, the, the uh, revenues that they have in other businesses. And then way five is, is mass market. We think in about 15 years, you're going to see uh, the, the two or three companies really pop up that start gobbling up many other companies and become kind of the figureheads of the industry uh, and, and that really push the industry forward from a mass market scale. There's still going to be a lot of room for niche players that, that have a premium product or some differentiating factor, but mm-hmm. the, the mass market, the Cokes and the Pepsis of the cannabis world will start to emerge. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, I, I think the the consumers uh, have a huge part in driving what that's going to look like as well. And there will, there'll be room for these boutique uh, companies for those kinds of consumers that prefer to shop independent owned, boutique, locally owned, those sorts of uh, businesses. But yeah, we are going to see, um, I don't want to say like the Walmart or the Target, but um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely see that. Um, okay, so we are 
going to take one more commercial break and then we'll come back and chat more with Narbe from Canopy Rivers. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is Himping, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint Business and cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. The National Cannabis Industry Association's third annual California Cannabis Business Conference takes place October 8th and 9th in Long Beach, California. Register today at CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com and take part in the only industry trade show focusing solely on the California market hosted by the cannabis industry's only national trade association. NCIA's California Cannabis Business Conference brings together thousands of cannabis industry leaders, policymakers, and entrepreneurs to discuss California-specific regulations, market trends, policy, advocacy, and research. The California Cannabis Business Conference will also feature over 60,000 square feet of expo floor, showcasing over 200 exhibitors. Make your plans now for NCIA's third annual California Cannabis Business Conference, October 8th and 9th in Long Beach, California. Register today at CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com. That's CaliforniaCannabisBusinessConference.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCI's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we're wrapping up our conversation with Narbe Alexandrian of Canopy Rivers. Um, I didn't get an opportunity to ask this in the last segment, but but I do want to cover this. Um, the United States is, is on its own little state-by-state journey here with cannabis, which may seem frustrating uh, to many of us who just really want to see federal legalization. Uh, and, and we saw Canada recently legalize medical as well um, and adult use and Mexico is well on its way, not to mention what's happening in some of the other countries that you yourself are having conversations with. So we're really seeing a global cannabis market emerge. What, what are you seeing there from your perspective? 
There, there, there are a lot of countries looking to legalize cannabis. Uh, some of them are moving fast. Some of them are moving slow, but but it is all towards the right direction. So in, internally, we always look at the statistics that come out and about consumption and penetration and consumer spending as well as uh, legalization. And we have lots of discussions with large corporates, governments, as well as academia to, to see where things are going. And everything's pointing towards the up and to the right uh, at an exponential rate. So mm-hmm. uh, we, we this past year, we saw South Korea legalize. We, we just saw Thailand come out today with, with big news on uh, on their, their legalization efforts there. Uh, we've seen Internally, we've seen probably the most deal flow coming out of China than we've ever have in, in the history of, of, of Canopy Rivers. Uh, and, and there's a lot of uh, companies that, that are emerging from there that have deep pockets, uh, have the backing of the Chinese government there. And as you know, China is uh, the largest uh, cultivar of uh, hemp in, in the entire world. So that there's a lot of CBD that one can get from the hectares and hectares that, that exist in, in one uh, farm alone. So... Um, I, I think what we're seeing um, in 2019, late 2019 and going into 2020 is uh, uh, very much the globalization of cannabis outside of North America and in all parts of the world. What really fascinates me is when you look outside of North America, Europe is uh, is prime for, for growth. They have a uh, European Union where everyone is holding hands with each other and, and you can have a blanket regulatory reform over it. You have areas of Europe where it's very easy to cultivate and extract, call it Malta, Greece, uh, Portugal, Spain. Uh, and there's areas of Europe where consumption rates are very high and, and uh, consumers have high discretionary income so they can spend more on cannabis, being the UK, uh, Germany, Denmark, uh, France, uh, and, and some of the other um Western European countries. Mm-hmm. And then you have China and India who, and, and some of the Asia Pacific countries that, that are coming in where they have low cost cultivation, millions and billions of people in, in some cases. Uh, and and they, they've had cannabis be part of their culture and their heritage for thousands of years. So uh, it's, it's, it's truly uh, mind boggling to see so much opportunity out there in the world. Uh, and and uh, I'm surprised to see how, um, relatively little money is being put to, to work in, in some of these remote areas, knowing that the, the, the risk and return are, uh, are pretty well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I know we at NCIA, we, we want to um, educate members of Congress, people in positions of power on this global market. We even put a, a white paper out from our policy council, um, I believe, last year, earlier this year. It's titled How the U.S. is Falling Behind in the Global Cannabis Market. You can find it on our industry reports page on our website. So with all of this movement, man, if you had asked me 10 years ago about this cannabis legalization and and moving it um, worldwide, I even as an activist, as an optimistic activist, I would have said, you're crazy. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, so um, NCIA's 10 years, you know, speaking of time, NCIA's 10 year anniversary is coming up next year in 2020. We were founded in 2010, a few years ahead of the adult use legalization in Colorado and Washington. Really exciting 10 years. Um, as I'm approaching six years working here, actually, it's been quite a ride. So we're all kind of reflecting on all the progress we've made over the last 10 years, as well as looking into our crystal ball and making predictions 
about the future. So uh, as we're in our last minute of our conversation here, what are your thoughts around that looking back and looking forward? Yeah, I mean, looking back, I would have never imagined this industry to be what it is today. Uh, Even in the last year, when we look at the deals that we saw a year ago to what we see now, you're seeing a tremendous amount of sophistication of business ideas and entrepreneurs that that are jumping through the stigma and and, and seeing the the opportunity that exists that that I think we'll never even see again in our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I was to crystal ball it within the next 10 years, I'd say that this industry looks a lot more uh, like like a CPG and pharma company, uh, sorry, industry that than what we've seen right now. Uh, what we're seeing really quickly is a, a move towards commoditization of dry flour and, and oils and, and a move towards developing brands and technologies and pharmaceutical companies where, where cannabis is at the, is the main ingredient in it, but one of many ingredients. And you're not looking at cannabis as a product, but you're looking at cannabis as the, the prime ingredient that, that that helps open up so much. Well, one of the the um, academia the, the academic articles that I was reading recently was about the runner's high. And for the longest period of time, as you know, the runner's high is when you go for a run for a long period of time, you come back home and you're happy, you're exhilarated. And uh, it, it's been a scientific uh, uh, mystery for, for, for a long period of time. They, they initially thought it was an, an endorphin rush, uh, but they, they, through science, they used uh, endorphin blockers on, on a test subjects and found that they still had a runner's high. Huh. Uh, and then you're, you're hearing anecdotally that all these athletes are saying they like to use cannabis before and after working out. Now, these are professional athletes, uh, and, and they, they, of course, they're saying it anonymously as well. Uh, so there's a, there's a whole theory that's been emerging, and this is with the academic paper that was released, uh, call it a couple of weeks ago, was saying how... Uh, now we think that the runner's high is actually through your endocannabinoid system. And uh-huh. the, the consumption of cannabis actually enhances that so that it, it helps with recovery as and as well as it helps with performance as well. So it's, it's really interesting to see how quickly this industry is growing. Wow. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. Quick. Uh, my, my mother was a nurse and I asked her if she knew what the endocannabinoid system was. And she said, no, they didn't, they didn't teach us anything about that or, nor did they talk about it. Um, so we have run out of time, but I look forward to seeing you at the California cannabis business conference, October 8th through 9th in long beach tickets are still available. California cannabis business conference.com. And uh, thank you again for being on the show. Narbe. I uh, look forward to catching up with you again. And um, yeah, how can people find out more about your company? Yeah, absolutely. You can visit us at www.canopyrivers.com and you can see me at the, the next NCIA event in Long Beach. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks again for being on the show and thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.